kind of. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Square Zeros. Derek Hawkins, John Mann. Today we're talking with Leah Wellbaum of Slothrust. Leah and I play guitar and sing in Slothrust. Sweet. Welcome to Square Zeros. Thank you. You guys have been really busy, uh, as you were saying. Uh, you haven't even needed to practice. You've been playing so many shows. Uh, can you tell, uh, give us like a little bit of a sense of what you did over the summer and what's coming up in the fall? Um, over the summer, actually, was the one time we did start to practice a little more because we were working on new material. We, uh, we got about 12 songs to put on the next record that we were trying to lock in and we're leaving for tour on Friday. So in like a day, uh, and we're doing like full U S tour and hopefully we'll cut our teeth on a lot of those songs on the road so we can get them ready to record and get a, get a different vibe for playing them live. Cause it's really different when you, when you write music and are working on it uh, versus when you play it to people, it's different energy, you know? Mm -hmm. And how long are you guys going to be gone? Uh, about a month. Nice. Yeah, we're going, we're headlining out to LA and then meeting up with Symbol Z Guitars and touring with them back to New York. Who set up the tour? Uh, our booking agent did. The oh, nice. Yeah, our booking agent. Um, nice. Classy shit. Yeah, we're, we're with the, the agency group, so they're called. They're, they're great. We like them so far, for sure. Awesome. And uh, any particular dates you're particularly excited about or any shows, any places you're just excited to see? Or Yeah, I'm excited about like everything. But if I had to pick a few works, I'm really excited to go back to Kansas City. Uh, we met some really cool people there the last time we played. Didn't know we had any fans there. And we have like a pocket of people that are super into it. Uh, we're playing with the Menzingers there. Nice. Uh, 
yeah, I'm just, I'm stoked to go back and hang out with those, with those kids. They're really, really fucking cool. Can I swear? Yeah, of course. All right. Well, I was like, I was like, this isn't for radio, right? Um, um, and then I'm excited for Denver because I have some good friends there and I'm excited for LA because we've actually never played LA before. We, we almost did. And then I got really sick, so we didn't play. Uh, yeah, and we're excited because uh, Burger Records is putting out our cassette. I was going to ask about that. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. I was really stoked when they s- said they wanted to do it. And so we're going to meet those guys finally. And how did you link up with Burger Records? Um, we just sent them it, sent them the record. Word. <laughs> or like our, our label sent them the record and us, you know joint effort, whatever. I say that's sort of their MO, right? Is they just pick up stuff they like. And yeah, if totally. you've got it on vinyl, they'll put it on cassette and you've got it on cassette, they'll put it on vinyl. Like they just sort of compliment yeah. whatever you've done. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Why don't you tell us about Slothbox? About Slothbox? Um, that was a project I came up with my, like, I guess my freshman year of college, senior year of high school. And it's pretty Casio based. Uh, and I, yeah, I made a lot of the songs with this like analog Casio. It's an MT. I, God, I forgot. I think it's an MT-65 or 68 or 86. I'm flipping, <laughs> flipping the digits. But, uh, it's, I'm going to fact check you on that. It's really cool. You can't. You should. <laughs> um, but yeah, that. And I just sort of recorded stuff in my dorm room with the with the input on the computer, the like computer microphone, and didn't really know what I was doing. It's funny. I don't, I don't do that anymore. I really don't make demos of my own songs like by myself anymore. I, w- I would like to get back into it. I think I'm intimidated by uh, engineering and recording because I've worked with a lot of people now who are so incredible at it that it's hard for me to see why I should carry forth with it. But that's just me having a shitty attitude. I should totally. Um, <laughs> but when I was 18, I was way more calm. I was like, you know, I was like, yeah, I got this. And just like, it was, I didn't really know anything else other than that sort of recording flow. So isn't that funny when your palate is limited, you like make the maximum use out of it. Totally. It's really true. I think that modern day society gives us way too many options. At least for me, I would prefer just having something really basic to work with. Also, that's the, that may be the first time anybody's ever said I was more confident recording when I was 18, you know, or something like that than I am now. Like people are always like, Oh God, just don't listen to this shit. Like, don't listen to this shit that I brought in, man. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I just don't really have any, you know, I didn't really have any expectation for myself back then. I was just doing whatever. And now it's like, because we play with this full band and because I've spent a decent amount of time in different recording studios, um, and just listening more critically to mixes of other bands, I, my standard is just so much higher. It's like, I don't know why I would, it's a, yeah, it's just, it's gotten to a place where it's hard for me to, to go back, I guess to the set of tools I was working with, but that's something I want to change. I, I want to get into back into demoing my own stuff and getting weird. So how did you come <laughs> across this Casio or how did you come in, into possession of it? And what inspired you to make this first round of recordings? Um, the Casio, I remember I was at my friend's, I was at my friend's apartment. He was like, it was my friend's boyfriend. He was really cool. He was a lot older and he had this Casio and I was like, what's this? And I played it and I was like, this is dope. And then I, like aggressively searched for one, like just the exact same one. And then I found it. I was very obsessed with it. And can you tell us about, did you hear about the devil? Oh, uh, (laughs) because that's what I'd really like to hear first. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the reality is that a lot of these songs, I don't have a super clear memory of recording, uh, freshman year of of college, which is one of those times for people. (laughs) I think everything's kind of a blur. So yeah, I don't have a super vivid memory of recording it. I know that on 
that uh, I tried to at one point take that track into the drum room at Sarah Lawrence where I went to school and I wanted to overdub some like crazy drums on it and I hadn't recorded the song to a click track so it like just wasn't an option <laughs> like I tried and then I was like I was like this is gonna be so sick it's gonna be so easy like I'm gonna lay down these fat beats it's gonna be fucking great and then I got in there and I was like listening to the track and trying to do it and I was like oh man I I blew that one and so I just kept going with it I know that uh, at the end of it there's a uh, there's a some sort of like monologue there's like a man speaking i don't know if you noticed that but there's a there's just a guy giving some sort of speech and i don't know what it is i i i I pulled it i pulled it as a sample obviously and i put some like reverb on it and like you know had it sit somewhere in the mix but i don't know what i'm i don't know what it is i can't remember maybe one of our listeners will know maybe this is where we (laughs) can have somebody if if you if you listen to the next track and if you know the the man's voice, he's speaking at the end. Squarezeros dot at, at gmail dot com. Um, and this was called. Do you know about the devil? Did you hear about the? Did you hear about the devil? 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 Did you hear? Did you hear about the devil? 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 Did you Did you hear about the devil? That was way out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was saying, first year of college, your, your roommate, the person you were probably thrust into a dorm situation with, must have loved when you recorded that stuff. Yeah, I don't really know what she thought about it. She was really, she was, <laughs> she was a bummer. I actually think I just remembered what that sample was, though. I think it's a sample of Daniel Johnston uh, talking in The Devil and Daniel Johnston, because I was really into that movie and really into him around that same time period. And I think I was like sort of trying to reference that in the song title. Gotcha. And so it would make sense to me if I if that was what that sample was. And the beginning sample as well? Oh, that's not a sample, that's me. That's you? 
that's me that's i know creepy. i well i did it in that voice and then i dropped it an octave with like some effect in garage band yeah all the all the all the vo- i know all the all the vocals were me oh man that's really cool the only yeah the only sample was just that weird talking at the end so this was you in your dorm room like <laughs> i think so late at night or like um i it probably wasn't night it was probably like the like mid-afternoon you know <laughs> let, let me ask i've got two questions one how did you get into playing music to begin with? And what did you start on? And two, what the fuck might you have been listening to that led to a song like that? Um, well, my family is like a line of classical musicians. My dad works for the Boston Symphony. My grandma was an orchestra harpist. My grandpa was an orchestra piccolo player. Uh, so it's like the music thing has just always been like really, really deep in there. For sure. My first instrument was piano. I played keys until I was like 11 and then I quit because I didn't want to practice, which, you know, I definitely don't like have like regrets or anything. I'm not one of those people that tries to go through life like that, but I regret quitting the piano because, or rather I just wish that I could still play it really well because it's, it's my favorite instrument by a long shot. I think piano is magic. What so what your, were you, so what were you channeling? What when was you I wrote? channeling? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So I, I quit piano and then ultimately I got into guitar when I was like 14 and then through in, in high school, I was just like really obsessed with pretty much any music I could get my hands on. I would like go to the, the public library and just like check out, like, I would just like take all the CDs. I would just check out all the CDs and upload them. Um, which is how I found one of my favorite musicians, which is John Fahey. Do you guys know him? Mm-hmm. So I found him like on a whim when I was 14 and I was like, this guy, this guy is the best. This is the best one. Um, he's, in, he's great. Uh, but that probably, I don't know if that was what I was listening to with, with that song. Um, I've always listened to a really wide range of different stuff and had a, a bit, have a bit of trouble placing my influences. I can like, I, I don't have a hard time saying like what I like and what I've listened to, but I have a hard time saying specifically what I was being influenced by at any given time. I guess Daniel Johnston. I mean, that's what I, that's sort of what I heard in there a little, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about this like sloth motif, sloth box, Mm -hmm. sloth rust? Um, Yeah. When, again, when I was a freshman in college, I was just very obsessed with sloths and there weren't a lot of photos of them on the internet. They like hadn't, they hadn't, (laughs) they hadn't broke yet. If you know what I mean, (laughs) they really have, they really have broke. Um, They're, they're very, very popular now. They've done great for themselves, but uh, yeah, there there were not a well, lot. Well, and of you're photos. helping their branding effort. I am, um, but a lot of people are probably hurting it by making a bunch of stupid, like tri- trivializing the sloth. <laughs> but whatever. Anyway, I was just really obsessed with them, and I would Google them a lot. And there weren't that many photos of them on the internet at the time. Um, what else do you have for us? Well, I want to hear some more sloth box. Yeah, the rest of the stuff is definitely poppier. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. Want to spin a couple? Yeah. <laughs> spin up, spin away. <laughs> Oh, 
So we had their uh, Necesito Vomitar Ahorita. <laughs> That's right. And uh, No Eye Candy. Yeah. Tell us about those. Um, no Eye Candy, we re-recorded on our last record and like totally did a different arrangement of it. Uh, so I thought it'd be fun for you guys to hear because this is like the original version of it. Um, I'm still kind of attached to the original version more than the remake that we did in a lot of ways because this is just... I don't know. It's a weird song. But yeah, that's about Britney Spears. Um, actually, someone wrote a really, I remember someone wrote a really interesting critique of it on, like we got, you know, on, like on one of our reviews, someone wrote a critique of No Eye Candy in a way that like made it so, like so heavy and so intense. Mm. And then said something like, I don't know. They said something that was like super off base and I thought it was funny because I was like, nah, man, it's just about Britney Spears. <laughs> Calm down. It's just Britney. Like, uh, Britney, yeah, it's just, just Britney. Um, uh, <laughs> and then the other one, 
is just I I would just get sick a lot in college. My stomach was sick all the time, and I never vomited everywhere. But I thought it'd be fun to write a song about vomiting everywhere because that's what that means. It's like I need to vomit like in this exact cute moment. <laughs> so. This exact cute moment. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Well, those are those are really cool. Uh, I dug both of those songs. Um, yeah, you were saying that you did play those out occasionally. Yeah, I did a couple. Okay, what were those shows like? Um, s- small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tiny, teeny tiny. Um, I did yeah a couple at Sarah Lawrence and then maybe two in Boston. But I feel like I, uh, I feel like a lot of them I just had my guitar and either rearranged them or played songs that aren't recorded. Or not that not unrecorded, but ones I didn't send to you. Because I had a big crop of those, too. Mm -hmm. And then some I would just play the laptop and just sing, like, karaoke style. Which, I'm not sure if that was all that cool, but I did it. So, at the time, what would have been your ideal bill if you were playing those songs? Like, what was your dream bill? Like, who would I have wanted to play play with? with? Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know. Probably not artists that sound like that, though. I probably still would have wanted to play with, like, Nine Inch Nails or, like... I mean, it seems dumb for me to say like Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins because that's not really a thing anymore. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, Smashing Pumpkins, sure, but really it's just Billy Corgan. What else was I into? I listened to a lot of hip hop, but I feel like I don't know if that would have been the greatest fit. I'm Derek, not sure. Derek asked me one time we played in a band together and he asked me, he was like, if we could open for anybody. Who would you want to open for? And I was like, Outcast. Like, it doesn't oh, make any sense, but Outcast I want to play. Outcast is an incredible band. I, yeah, I would, if if given the chance to play with Outcast, I'm really into uh, crossing genre stuff and like playing on bills with bands that aren't your same genre. That doesn't people get really uptight about making making sure bills are like cohesive and like flow really well. And I'm you know since I book shows for other bands, I'm totally on the page with that. But personally, I'm okay with being part of events that are just sort of different shit that rules that doesn't necessarily have all that much in common sonically at a first listen. Yeah. Sometimes it's more if it has something in common energy wise or totally. something like that than whether it actually sonically does. I wanted to ask you too, you come from this musical family. Yeah. You know, you said, you know, they brought you up playing piano until you kind of kicked it. Yeah. What do they think of Slothrust? Have they heard Slothbox? Um, I would say they have not heard Slothbox and they would, I would say that it probably wouldn't be so much their thing. Uh, Slothrust, I, I genuinely believed that they were skeptical at first and now they are supportive because they saw that we had our shit together. But I think at first they were like, oh man, like we got another musician in the family and this one's like, <laughs> she's not carrying the torch. This one's going hard. Like, cause, I mean, it's like no one, no one in my family like wants any more musicians cause it's just like a hard career. It's a rough career. Um, even though they were all classical musicians, that's still really hard, but my cousins did like more Broadway style stuff and that was really challenging and they didn't end up doing that for, for their careers. And I think it's, I don't know. My parents were definitely very wary of like, they were just sort of like, God damn it. You want to do music? Like really, you're not going to just like keep doing like writing or something, something else. And, but then, yeah, once we, once we got a label and started like putting stuff out and like getting write-ups and stuff, it's like that, you know, it's such bullshit. People are sheep. It's like, once you, once you see a band play to a full room, you suddenly think that they're cool. You see them play to a dead room. You think no one gives a shit, you know, and you just get, you treat them differently. And I honestly, like, I think my parents are really behind the music now that they've like given it more of a shot and really listened to it. But I think when we were playing to smaller rooms and not getting as much attention, they were sort of like, uh, God, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's well, cool let's now, hear it from mom and dad for coming around. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, they're they're great. They're really supportive now. Yeah, they're really supportive now. Nice. Well, uh, you know, listening to uh, Slothbox, uh, it's got like you know, obviously you're doing everything yourself. It's more digital sounding. Uh, you know, you've got this different type of layering going on. Uh, Sloth Rust is garagey, kind of organic. You guys are three piece. Um, how did that, what brought about that transition to this more raw, like traditional, you know, kind of garage rock sound? Mm, well, I started playing in blues and blues bands mm -hmm. at school. And so that's how I met Will, uh, who's the drummer and, and also Kyle, but I worked with Will for a long time before that. He's also an excellent guitarist. He's like, they're both really good at guitar, but, um, I started playing guitar with Will and just in, in playing in these blues bands together, I got sort of into interacting with other musicians in that way. I like, I like that it's electric. I like that it's loud. Uh, I love blues in particular because there's that, that element of improv and really like communicating with other musicians, um, with, with music, you know, like the whole trading aids thing, that sort of stuff is fun. So yeah, in, in that, I got sort of into the, uh, the more traditional, more the more traditional rock band structure, blues band structure. 